Now let me ask, ask you a question. What do you think of when you think of home? Like, as you hear that word, what does home mean to you? Um, clearly home is more than an address, right? Uh, I don't know about you, but my address has changed multiple times through my life. Um, it, it's been in different cities, it's been in different states, it's even been in a foreign country at one point in my life. Uh, and yet, while my address has changed, I've always been able to find home. It's not even just uh, the people that you live with that makes it home either, is it? Because that changes through the years. That's changed for me. You know, it started out that home was with my family of origin, and my mom and my dad and my three sisters. I mean, my three uh, sisters. And we, um, you know, even at one point, my my two older sisters they moved out. You know, they moved out of the house. They got married and moved away before I did, and so they weren't part of my home anymore. And then later, of course, I started my own family. And at first, it was just Kathy and me. And then and then Lori came into the picture, and then. Stephen came into the picture, and then later we lost Kathy, and then later it was Michelle and Caden that we added into our family. And so at one point there were five of us under the same roof, but at this point there's just three of us that are living together now. So it's not just the people you live with that constitute home either. It's, it's something more. I think home is kind of that intangible feeling where you know that you belong. Like you belong, you are loved, you are accepted. And I think maybe while home is hard to define sometimes, we all know when we found it. We know when we're there, right? Well, it's a fundamental human need for us to have community. That is just something that is so very important to the human makeup and psychology uh, has established through myriads of studies that the need for community is something that's actually hardwired into the human brain. Like it's, it is just imprinted in our DNA that we need community. Uh, I mean, just even from the earliest months of our lives as, as infants, we start smiling and we start making eye contact with, with even strangers because we, we're, we're, we're wanting connection. And, and so um, while it's certainly true that some of us make friends more easily than others, right? It's, it's certainly true that some of us need more alone time than others. But in spite of those differences, everybody needs community. Everybody needs a place to call home. Everybody needs a sense of social belonging. And if we don't have it, if we actually the, find ourselves outside of community, the more isolated we are, psychology has shown us the more mental health problems we are prone to develop, such as depression and anxiety and other stress-related mental health problems. And that's kind of from a negative standpoint. From, from, from a positive standpoint, like we need other human beings to actually grow, to actually mature, to, to, to just be able to develop properly as a human being. And, and so really being in community just opens up the world to you. And that's why it's so really important. Now, ages before the science of psychology uh, established the fact that, that we as human beings need community, the Bible expressed that. And so if you think back to uh, what you read in scripture, in fact, the very first thing that the scriptures say 
was not good was for human being to be alone. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. Uh, so think about that, going back to the creation. And Adam had a very, very special relationship with God, didn't he? God actually walked and talked and, and interacted with Adam in a very special way that was in some sort of visible form. Like he was audible to Adam. He was visible to Adam. There was an actual relationship that was unlike anything that, that you and I have experienced. And yet, Adam had no other human being. All he had was God and the animals. And it was God, I want to point out, the one who said that everything he created was good, the one who said that the human being that he created was very good. It was God who said that it is not good for the man to be alone. It's not good for him just to have this relationship with me. He needs another human being in his life. And so why would he say that? Well, he would only say that if it were true that we are wired for community. We are hardwired for it. And so if you think today that you don't need community, um, I, you can argue with God if you want to, but I'm telling you, you are out of touch with your soul. And, and you are self-deceived if you think that you don't need other human beings. Um, and in fact, if you try to live your life that way, if you try to disconnect, if you try to be isolated and alone, you are going to cripple yourself as a human being. So we need a tribe. We need, we need a people. We need a group that we belong with that in, in order to really experience what it means to be human. But Community is hard. Community is deeply flawed in this world, isn't it? In fact, when we look around at our world, we look at all the problems and we kind of identify the problems that we see in our world. Most of those problems are all about how human beings relate to one another. Most of those problems are, are social problems. And we're just not very good at doing community. Um, I think the reason that, that we have so many extensive sets of, of laws and law codes, you know, at every level of society is basically, they're all just ways of trying to get human beings not to mistreat one another, to get human beings to actually, you know, not tear each other apart. Um, when God gave the Ten Commandments to Israel, six of the Ten Commandments were about how not to treat other people badly. You know, don't murder each other. No, don't, don't lie to each other. Don't, don't um, steal from each other. Don't even covet what somebody else has. Don't sleep with your spouse's, I mean, with uh, somebody else's spouse. You know, that was bad almost. Uh, don't sleep with somebody else's spouse. I mean, it was all about like, hey, don't abuse other people, right? I think it's funny because sometimes people talk about how hard the Ten Commandments are to keep. Really? I mean, personally, I think God set the bar pretty low. I mean, he, he, the, the Ten Commandments, if you look at them, are simply like the very lowest level of like, just be human. Like, just treat each other decently. That's what the Ten Commandments are about. And the reason that we find those hard to keep is a little scary. 
Because it shows that we're actually, as, as a human race, we're living at a subhuman level. And the Ten Commandments, they're just trying to get us back to living as humans, the way human beings should live. And, and so I think it's interesting just what a curious people we are, what a curious species we are, that we, we want community, we crave community, we need community, but we're also so very good at destroying community. And even when we don't intend to. You know, we, we just have a way sometimes of, of breaking the fragile bonds that exist between us and important people in our lives. So Jesus comes along, and Jesus actually paints this picture of an alternative way, of a superior way of doing community than the way we see community being done in the world around us. And he taught a lot about it. As you read through the teachings of Jesus, he's teaching so much about what that kind of community looks like, how people treat each other when they're in this um, place that they're living the way that, that God does community. And, and so it's like um, a big step up, really. When you read the, the teachings of Jesus, it's a big step up from what you see, at least on the surface level, in the Ten Commandments. So the Ten Commandments are really just kind of about trying to keep our bad impulses in check. Whereas Jesus comes along and paints a picture of what community looks like when, when it's love for our neighbor and even love for our enemies. That's the driving force that's holding this community together. It's powerful. Not only did he teach a lot about it, but Jesus began to build such a community. And he started with 12 men and a handful of women that followed him everywhere and did life together. And he picked some pretty diverse people to be in that group. I mean, some of those people were polar opposites when it comes to their, like, ideology, their political ideology, when it comes to kind of just the circles that they ran in. They, they couldn't have been any more different. And yet those are the people that Jesus brought together. Why? Because he wanted to show that he and his love were, were a strong enough glue to actually bond people together who otherwise would not be in community with each other who otherwise would be like, no, I don't want anything to do with that person. But when they know Jesus, when they're committed to Jesus, they're able to actually come together and find common ground and learn to love one another. So this very powerful thing is happening in Jesus's ministry. And, and it then translates into everything that comes after. You see, the church, the church of Jesus Christ is God's alternative community. That's what the church is all about. The church is God's answer to everything we see about the messed up way that humanity has done community. See, our relationships are, are within the body of believers are, are supposed to be different and they're supposed to be better, a better way of interacting than what we see typically in the world around us. So this is what Jesus had to say to his earliest followers in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, he says in verse 14, you, my followers, you are the light of the world. Now, later, Jesus would say, I am the light of the world. But here he says, you are the light of the world. 
A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. No, instead they put it up on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, he says, let your light shine. And by the way, in the original language, the word your is plural. So let your light shine before others that they may see your plural good deeds and glorify your plural father in heaven. I think it's interesting because we often read those verses and we take them only kind of to apply to individuals. Like, I want to shine my light. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Like, you know, and it's like we, we see ourselves as kind of these individual lights here and there in the world. But this text is actually about how we together collectively are this light that the world needs to see. And, and I want you to think about like the images here that he gives of this community. He says that we're supposed to be this, this beacon of light in the dark world, right? He says that we're supposed to be like this city that's built up on a hill. This community that Jesus says he's building should be like this city that's up on a hill whose, whose lights are visible across the plain from miles and miles away at night as a traveler is making their way towards that city. Back in uh, 2009, uh, my family went to Germany. We took a little trip to Germany with my mom and my stepdad, and we spent a few days in the Rhine River Valley in Germany. It's a beautiful, beautiful part of Germany. And, and the Rhine is, is surrounded on both sides by these really tall hills. They're terraced beautifully. And, and it's interesting as you're driving along on the little highways that, that run on either side of the river at night, you can always see the next town coming up because the towns are built up on the hills. And so it, their lights just glow from a distance and you can see them as you're coming up and they kind of call to you. you know, it's kind of like, hey, you got to come in here and check out what's in this town, what this town has to offer. And it's, it's just kind of something that you feel as you drive down that road. And, you know, Jerusalem was similar to that. Jerusalem is built up on hills that are like 2,500 feet high. So Jesus says, you all, my community, you're like that. That city that's visible. He says, you're, you're, you're like a lamp that's been lit and you've been placed on a stand. And, and, and so it shines and it gives light to this dark house. And so how do we do that is the question. Well, the way that we shine our light in this darkness around us is the way that we love one another, right? It's the way we love each other. It's the way we care for each other. And I don't just mean like good feelings. I don't mean just like all smiles and good feelings. I mean the good that we want and the good that we do for each other. Jesus says here that people will see your what? Good Deeds, right? Let your light so shine that people see your good deeds. All right, they see that the actions that you are doing for one another. And, and, and when they see that, they will glorify your Father who is in heaven, right? So that's the end goal of this community and the way that we treat each other is that as we experience it, as we experience what it's like to be in a community like that, and as others see it, as others come in and they, and they observe it and they experience it, that, that all of us are drawn to God. All of us just want to worship God. We want to know God more. We want to love God more because we see the kind of community that God builds. 
Because God's the only one who can do that, right? A community like this cannot be built by human beings. People have tried through the ages to do that, but they've never been able to do it because humanity just can't accomplish that kind of community. Only God can. And so one thing I know is, is that we've got to have someone who's better at humanity to build a community like Jesus is describing here. And the only way that we're going to be different, the only way that we're going to be better in the way that we interact and relate with one another is if we really are the family of God and we are living like the family of God. See, our lives have to be built around him. Our, our lives and our relationships have to be built around God, right? We, we have to actually be letting God be the one who's at the center of all that. And, and the way that we interact with each other is, is something that's formed by the way that we are committed together to our Father in heaven. Like we're mutually committed to him. So it changes the way that we see each other. It changes the way that we care for one another, changes the way we forgive one another when we hurt each other. It changes all of that. He changes all of that. See, uh, the Apostle Paul also wrote about this in uh, Ephesians chapter 2. And so he, he says this in Ephesians. He says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and what? Strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of what? His household, right, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. That is profound stuff right there. And, and Paul is, is speaking especially to the Gentile Christians and, and saying, hey, you know, before you guys became part of this special community known as the church, here's what you were. You were foreigners and strangers. Now, if you're a foreigner, you don't feel like you belong. If you're a stranger, you don't feel like you belong. Right? You, you feel disconnected. And, and he says, that's what you were. You were on the outside looking in. But now, he says, now, no, you have become part of something. You become part of this household. You become part of this family. You become part of God's family. So you now have this place of belonging. And he says that this, this special new community that you now belong to is, is actually founded. It's got its whole foundation built on the the teachings of the inspired prophets, the apostles, in other words, the writers of scripture, and on the teachings and person of Jesus Christ himself. That's, that's what makes this community what it is. And, and then he says that the power that actually causes all of this to actually happen and work is the power of God himself who's living in you, that his spirit is living in you. And if you're letting him, he's guiding you, he's shaping you, he's forming you in the way that you treat others, and he's filling you with a supernatural kind of love, a love that only God can give you. See, everybody, the, the church was built, it was founded by Jesus Christ to be your home away from home in this world. That's what it is. The church is your home away from home in this world, and that is a special blessing. 
I mean, that, that is a special blessing from our Father that he has provided for you and for me. Right at the very heart of what Jesus wants for you, what he came to set into motion, what he came to create was this special community where you could find a place of belonging and where you could learn what it really means to love and to be loved and to be a part of a spiritual family that, li- that, that loves at a higher level than, than sometimes you know, even physical families do. See, writing to uh, another local community of believers, this one in Galatia, Paul later said in Galatians 5, or actually earlier, Galatians 5 and verse 14, he says, for, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as long as they're awesome and just like you. Now, uh, you guys, you hope you're paying attention because that's not what it says, right? No, he didn't say you shall love your neighbor as long as they're awesome and just like you. He said you shall love your neighbor as what? As yourselves, right? As yourself. Now, what is that about, really? What is that statement about? It's about building community, isn't it? It, it, It's about creating a different kind of community, one that's rooted not in what I can get out of people, you know, not, not in what I can feed off of from people around me, not, not how I can like fulfill all of my selfish desires with these people around me, but instead in actually loving them and loving them and caring about them as much as I love myself. Which, by the way, it's okay to love yourself. Somebody said to my wife recently, you know, in Christian circles, you can't love yourself. That, that's, that's not true. You've got to love yourself in order to be able to love others the way that you need to love them. So in other words, the way that you take care of yourself, the way that you, the way that you care about your well-being, you do the same thing for others. And, and, and you're not just looking at your well-being, but you're also looking at their well-being. You're not just thinking about what you want. You're not just thinking about what you need. You're not just thinking about what you desire. You're also thinking about what they need. And you're willing to actually make concession to them. That's what he's talking about. Now, that's a different kind of community than what we see in the world. And so that means that we wouldn't do something to somebody else that we don't want others doing to us, right? That's something called the golden rule. And on the positive side of that, those things that we wish others would do, those things that we want others to do for us, we choose to do those things for them. That's a different kind of community. See, and and Paul says, listen, all of God's commands actually boil down to that. They actually boil down to this one. He says, the whole law is fulfilled in one word, and it's the word love. And it's this statement to love your neighbor as yourself. But let's be, I mean, perfectly frank and perfectly honest. Even in the church, we don't always get this right, do we? We know we don't always get this right. And, And the disappointing thing is that as beautifully different as this community that is the family of God can be and should be and is supposed to be, sometimes... It just looks about the same as any other community. Sometimes it even looks worse 
than communities you might find and be a part of outside of the church. And that's a really sad thing um, because it can be such an amazing thing when we're actually letting God and his love and his will rule the day in our relationships. But if we fail to do that and if we stop doing that, then the community can degrade and it be can become nothing, nothing different at all. And so Paul goes on to say here in Galatians uh, uh, 5, in the very next verse, verse 15, so after saying, hey, the whole law is fulfilled in this, this statement to love your neighbor as yourself, the very next thing he he says is in verse 15 but if you bite and devour one another take care that you're not what yeah consumed by one another now remember he's writing to Christians he's writing to the family of God here and he says this to them and this is not a pretty picture is it have you bitten anyone this week <laughs> Anyone bitten you? It's a doggy dog world, isn't it? Only problem is it's not the dogs that are doing the biting. It's the humans. And, and, and this is why following Jesus really matters, not just believing in Jesus. See, just believing in Jesus will not do anything to change your relationships. You've got to actually want to learn his way of life. That's what discipleship is about. That's what following Jesus is about. It's about learning his lifestyle. And, and if we don't learn it, then we just kind of keep behaving the same ways that we always have. And we have the same dysfunction in our relationships. And we have the same division in our relationships. And we, and we have that same biting going on between us. And, and that's not what we want. It's not what God wants. But see, we either, we either are going to learn through following Jesus to love each other, verse 14, or we are going to consume each other, verse 15. It's going to be one or the other, either loving one another or consuming one another. You're either going to see people as, as children of God that you are called to love and to care for as much as you love and care for yourself, or you're going to consume people. You're going to use them. You're going to mistreat them at times. You're going to ignore them. You're going to, to, to make choices that are based purely on what you want and desire and, and, and really giving no thought to what's good for that person or, or what's good for the community. And the difference will be whether you're letting God and his spirit fill you and shape you in your attitudes and your perspectives, or whether it's your flesh that's in the driver's seat. And, you know, and that happens to all of us. There's times that, that I know I have done that many times that I've let my flesh be in the driver's seat instead of the spirit of God's. So let's not pretend like any of us haven't done that. But, but the question is, you know, where, where are we leaning? What is the direction we're, we're going? Because, listen, guys, the greatest indicator, not only of, of emotional maturity, but of spiritual maturity, is the health of our relationships. That's the greatest indicator. The health of our relationships. So, 
let me just kind of wrap this up by saying, look, we, we long to be part of community. And we will find it somewhere. We will go out looking for it somewhere. We, there are places that we go. There, some of us try to find community in a virtual digital world. And, and we, we do it something. When I came in this morning to, to the Southern Village, there was a bunch of people down at the coffee shop. And they were all hanging out and talking. They were having community. And, and, and we, we look for that. We look for ways to have community. But so often the community that we find isn't really Community, it's, it, it's, it's, it's something less than community. It's, it, it, it's a crowd or it's a conversation, but there's at the end of the day, there's really no commitment. There's no mutual commitment there. There's no, there's no mutual investment of one another in each other's lives. And so as soon as we leave that place or get offline, then we feel just as isolated and alone as we were before. And we don't want that to be the case when it comes to our church. Like we don't want to, to people to come to our church week after week and, 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 and worship with us and, and then leave here feeling just as isolated as they did before. We, we, we want to turn a crowd into a community that really loves each other. And that's our intent to create a Jesus-shaped community. See, a crowd is a, is a gathering of disconnected strangers. A community is a network of relationships, of people who are actually involved in caring about each other and that bind them together. And that's what we want to be as a church. And, and that's, more importantly, what God wants us to be as a church. And so that's going to... to require something of all of us to create that kind of community. It's going to take all of us. And so if you've been around for a little while with our church, then, then, then take initiative to actually reach out and to make connections with people, meet people, introduce people to other people, help people get connected with each other. Um, be open to, to accepting new people into your circles of friendship. And be open and, and transparent like with your life and what's going on. I mean, obviously use discretion and wisdom in that, but, but be, be open and, and be inclusive and accepting of people. And, and don't forget, if you're, if you're one of our, our mission partners, what we call members here at, at our church, to don't, don't neglect your commitment to be in community and connecting consistently in community and being a, a part of a group. And, and especially hang with each other when things get rocky. Because things invariably get rocky at some point. And it's easier to leave than it is to stay. But only if you stay are we able to be and become that city on a hill that looks different than the way it looks in the world. So if you're newer to our community here to our church. Hey, I want to just say as a next step for you, become part of the family. You have a home away from home in this world, and it's called the Church of Jesus Christ, and we would love to be the local expression of that for you and be your home away from home. And so I would just encourage you to, to know, first of all, just to be certain in your heart that you belong. 
that you are loved, that you are wanted, that you're valued, that we, we want to embrace you and bring you into this church family. And, and so just take a step towards community. Take a step towards relationship. Um, wherever you are right now, take, take a step, whatever that might be. Um, one step that you could take is to join a connect group. Um, that's what we call um, our small groups that meet during the week. Most of the time, those meet in homes. Um, and, and it's just the best way of really getting to know people and building those relationships and those connections. Um, and so you can check on the back of your Connect card this morning that you were handed that you're interested in, in a Connect group and we'll get information to you about those and, and, and see if we can find one that would work for you. Um, in this sermon series, we are going to be looking at key values that should define our community. That, that scripture is, is showing us and Jesus is showing us are part of what it looks like to have the kind of community that is a city on a hill that shines a light all around to the surrounding landscape. And that's our goal. That's our goal is for us to actually invest ourselves in those, in those attitudes and those perspectives that will help us to become that haven to help us become that force for good that this community is designed to be. And so we, we just encourage you to open your heart, open your hearts to one another and welcome home.